This is a Federal News Network podcast. Few lists get as much attention as the list of high-risk federal programs published by the Government Accountability Office every two years. For several cycles, that high-risk list has been headed by my next guest. For his work, he's also a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program. We welcome back a regular on the Federal Drive and now awardee, the GAO's Managing Director for Strategic Issues, Chris Mim. Chris, good to have you on in this new context. Well, thank you, Tom, and it's always a pleasure to be back with you. And the thing I've always found remarkable about you and also some of your colleagues at GAO is even though that you are looking constantly and reporting on year after year some really tough situations in the government, you never seem to lose your optimism that it's going to be okay and that ultimately the people running these programs, even the high-risk ones, are well-intentioned and want the best. Oh, absolutely. And in, in fact, our operating assumption under the high risk list, and certainly you know, throughout my career, the work that I've done is that very smart, very hardworking federal employees are trying to address some very complex issues on behalf of the country. What my job is, is to go in and, and do independent reviews and help them identify some gaps, perhaps in what they're doing in capacity or performance, and how those gaps can be addressed and so we assume good faith on the on the part of the, the people that we're, we're working with in the executive branch, and I have not been disappointed throughout my career in seeing that. And you also find often that just small amounts of money applied in the right way or small groups of people can have enormous leverage because sometimes it seems like the operational end of big programs that are dispersing big dollars, but the operation is sort of nickel and dimed by Congress or whatever, and therefore... They may lose billions by saving hundreds of thousands. Two things on that. You know, first is that you're, you're absolutely right. There needs to be a, a risk-based approach to how we think about the implementation of programs. And that we can, we can go too far in putting together layer after layer after layer of compliance requirements and to the extent that you end up squeezing out the opportunity to actually achieve big things. And so that doesn't mean that any of us want waste or fraud or abuse, but it just needs to be a risk-based approach to that. We in GAO have issued a, a fraud risk framework to, that tries to help agencies think exactly along those lines. The second thing, though, is that I would notice that in many of the areas that we've identified, certainly with the high risk list, for example, is that there are areas that need additional investment, but an awful lot of that is just being smarter with the investment that we have. And this is, of course, an an awful lot of the movement that uh, we see today with evidence-based policy. It's using data, using evidence to very specifically target problems, figuring out then what's the right investments that we ought to make, and then moving money that's already in the system to those opportunities that we have to have a bigger impact. That's an awful lot of what we see with the high risk and other program areas. Sure. And sometimes it's the Congress itself that is really the issue. I'm, I'm thinking of one example of the payments under the individual payment plan from the CARES Act. And as has been famously chewed over now for weeks, the IRS sent a million checks to people that were deceased or in prison. And if you look at the GAO report on that, it says, well, you, Congress, need to give them access to the most recent vital statistics records from Social Security, which by statute they don't have access to at this moment. And even though the dollars in the context weren't all that huge, it's one of those stories that gets out and everybody laughs about or they get grilled on. But often you have to kind of tell your bosses on the Hill, hey, you guys need to do this to help a program. But yet somehow you manage to do it without pissing them off too much. 
<laughs> yeah, it, uh, and I work for the Congress, and so I, I'm an institutionalist from the standpoint of, of thinking about Congress and its priorities. We've been very fortunate, and, and particularly I've been very fortunate throughout my career, that where we have identified opportunities for Congress to act, to have statutory fixes to problems, they've shown great willingness to do that. In fact, an awful lot of the, the management infrastructure that we have within agencies now, everything from the going back to 1990, the CFO Act, the various IT legislation, Government Performance and Results Act in 93, and then GPRA Modernization Act, you know, and the, and the Evidence Act, all of those are, have anchors in legislation. So I think Congress has, has very often shown a willingness to act where the evidence and the data are there and people are able to make a persuasive case. But just one thing on the economic impact payments, the EIPs that you mentioned, there were two parts of the story that we told in, the, in our most recent CARES Act report. Certainly a lot of that, and the one that got all the press was the, the payments to deceased individuals. And in fact, in many cases, if you got a paper check, it even noted on the check that the individual was deceased. But there was another part of that story that we told in the report that didn't get as much press, that is that there are millions of people that... Um, should be getting these payments that have not yet received them. And, you know, largely these are very poor people that are unbanked, as the language goes, that aren't, in a sense, in the system. IRS and Treasury are seeking out and seeking to these people, but these are the people that presumably most needed the payments. And so that's the other half, not just the deceased, but those that are due the payments that have not yet received them. We're speaking with Chris Mim. He's Managing Director of Strategic Issues at the GAO and a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals Program. And going back to the list that you've compiled over the years and the programs you've looked at, what, in your opinion, makes an effective federal executive or a federal program manager on the whole such that they have the skill necessary to move a program along in a positive way? Well, there's a number of things that are that are needed here. I mean, this is this is one of those areas in which we say leadership really does matter. And I, I know for all kind of federal management issues and operational issues, that's kind of the default. You know, you always start out, well, top leadership matters. And, and it does, you know, and in particular, it does here. And, and in fact, when we look at, you know, what it takes to get off the high risk list and we have published criteria on that, we don't want to we want to be transparent with agencies. We look at the extent to which top leadership has put in place the, the capacity and the resources that their teams need in order to, that they and their, their teams need in order to address the issues. We look at, do they have an action plan in place? Are there, is there effective monitoring that's going on? And are we beginning to see demonstrable results? So an, an awful lot of that, you know, what's needed from top leadership is, again, making sure that there's the capacity in place, making sure that there's a, a plan in place to get off the list and, you know, with actionable steps and milestones, holding people accountable for that, finding out what's working and then making adjustments that if it's not working, these are all things that top leadership does. And when they do it, it works. I mean, you know, there's a, an old saw out there about how the, the high risk list, you know, dating myself here is a little bit like the Hotel California. You can check out, but you can never leave. You know, that's not the case. You know, since 2004, 13 areas have, have come off the high risk list. And then the last time um, in 2019, we took off supply DOD supply chain management which had been one of the original items on the high risk list back in the, in the 1990s. And so, I mean, that's a progress can be made. Sometimes it takes a, a quite a long time, but with top leadership tension, with top leadership focus, you do get off the high risk list. And do you ever feel that the political appointees, and we're not talking about any particular administration now, but in general, political appointees sometimes miss an opportunity to come in and make a difference before they leave, which is typically a pretty short period. 
Oh, absolutely. And in fact, I, I think, you know, that's, and as, as you said, this isn't, you know, to any particular administration. One of the things that uh, Clay Johnson, when he was the deputy director for management over at OMB, um, started in the George W. Bush administration was tripartite meetings between OMB, GAO, and the deputy or, or even agency head that was responsible for each of the individual high-risk high meetings. And these took place over a period of several each quarter. Those were continued into the uh, Obama administration. Sadly, we had a couple early in this administration, but haven't had any recently. That's the type of high-level attention that you really have. When you have a, the senior leadership at OMB, the Controller General of the United States, personally, Gene Dodaro, personally participating in all of those meetings, and when you have the, the most senior people within the agencies all working the same set of information, talking together about where are we, what's our path forward, what is it going to take to make progress on those high-risk areas, that's where you begin to see demonstrable progress. And you must be gratified that as a SAMI's finalist at this point, suddenly what you have been doing as the Grim Reaper all these years is getting some positive <laughs> kudos here. Well, thank you for the for the Grim Reaper. Yeah, I, uh, I take that as an auditor. I take that as a badge of honor. Um, no, we're we're quite pleased on this. I mean, I I'm pleased and honored that I get to represent the the work of so many of my colleagues across GAO. This is very genuinely a, a whole of GAO um, effort. The, the high risk list, as I mentioned, you know, the 13 areas that have come off, even other areas that haven't come off. Real progress has been made in in terms of hundreds, if not thousands, of operational and programmatic improvements and then half a trillion dollars in financial benefits to the American people over the last 14 years, that's a big deal and, and something that uh, I think my colleagues from, from GAO can be justly proud of. Chris Mim is Managing Director of Strategic Issues at the Government Accountability Office and a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals Program. Thanks so much. It's my great honor. Thank you, sir. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash federaldrive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash best music to get Live One Plus now. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.